Good evening and welcome back to Mask's weekly radio show on Family Matters. Mask, mothers and fathers align saving kids, kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health issues, including school issues and addictions. If you know someone that needs a referral for a therapist, for an inpatient or outpatient program, for a yeshiva, even if they're closed, kids still need to be part of a yeshiva school, uh, for a support group for parents, Please give us a call. You can call Anonymous, and it's all confidential. Our number is 718-758-0400. And if there's anyone out there that wants to get a free naloxone, a Narcan kit, which is for prevention of opioid overdose, everyone should have a kit available not for themselves or their family members, but maybe somebody walking by the house, somebody in your local shul, a neighbor's child, friends coming over. It's good to have them. They're free. We'll mail it to you. We'll train you over Zoom. Feel free to call the helpline once again. I will share our confidential number. Maybe you want to jot it down to yourself, a loved one, a friend, a neighbor, maybe someone you usually sit near in shul. Our number, again, is 718-758-0400. Today is the second yard site of Meshulam Halevi Youngreis. Dalit Cheshben, October 22nd, the beloved and treasured son of Rabbi Yisrael and Rebetzin Rifki Youngreis. And they started a new project, Mitzvot for Meshulam, is being launched with Eloi Nishmas Meshulam. And the project encourages us all to take on a small, doable Kabbalah, something small that could be implemented either daily, weekly, or both, and do it in the close. Eloi Nishmas Meshulam Ben Reb Yisro Halevi. So please go online to For Meshulam, F O R M E S as in Sam, H U L as in Larry, E M as in Mary at gmail.com. And again, these mitzvahs should be Eloi Nishmas, Meshulam Ben Yisro Halevi, and to be a great hook, not only for you, for your family, for Klal Yisro. All our mitzvahs together should be a hook for Klal Yisro. This evening, I'd like to um, 
welcome on tonight uh, a friend, a colleague, uh, someone that's always available uh, to mask to families, and that is the very famous, and I'll include the word famous in the introduction, Dr. Ellie Shapiro. He's not only a licensed clinical social worker and a doctorate in education, he has, but he's also the founder and director of the Digital Citizenship Project, and he is an expert on issues around human behavior and technology. And Dr. Shapiro, by the way, has presented to thousands of parents, school faculty, mental health professionals, not only in New York, but across North America. He's lectured internationally for all the day schools and for Chabad around the world and for Tarmistora and good and I can go on and on and on. And I want to say that he's also lectured for the United Task Force. So welcome, Dr. Shapiro. How are you? Thanks for coming on. Thank you. After an introduction like that, I'm feeling great. So thank you. (laughs) And thank you for for all the amazing work that MASK does, really, uh, and 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 really amazing, amazing work. And it's uh, my honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And like I always say, MASK is not just me, it's my wonderful staff that's always available to help families. So you just got to pick up the phone, have the courage, pick up the phone, and that's one time it's okay to take off your mask, is to make the call, and we're there to hear, to hear you clearly, whatever it is, to try and be of assistance to you and your families. So, you know, Dr. Shapiro, I've had you on the radio before. We're always talking about be careful with the amount of time. You know, your family members have technology. We talk about husbands and wives always in front of the phone and during dinner and walking on the streets and, you know, me driving and people crossing in front of the car and they don't even look up. They don't even notice there's a car coming. And we're always talking about technology being careful with the amount we're on, and then, and then, what happens? The pandemic, COVID-19 moves in with no plan, no plan for any of the schools or families, and there's lockdown. There's no schools suddenly opened, and suddenly they're giving out iPad schools are everybody's on Zoom land. I mean, how has COVID impacted the relationship with technology now? Yeah, it, it's a great question and a great point all at the same time. I, I actually, um, over the last few months, I've, I've gotten similar phone calls or emails saying, well, Dr. Shapiro, you know, you've talked about the challenges of technology and, and uh, its impact on social, psychological, and behavioral functioning. And here we are in a situation that uh, requires excessive technology engagement, um, whether it's uh, recreational technology or whether it's um, academic or, or learning technology. So I think the first thing that we need to recognize is that this is not an ideal situation. Um, I don't think anyone would say that uh, this is what 
uh, is preferred. I don't think uh, parents are saying that. I don't think uh, school leaders and educators are saying that. I don't think mental health professionals are saying that. And I don't even think the kids are saying that. Um, I, it's, it's interesting times that we live in when kids are begging to get off screens and actually go to school. So I think off the bat, um, we have to accept that this is certainly not ideal. Um, and we often in life, whether it's technology or uh, any other matter, we have to make decisions based on the consequences of action and the consequences versus the consequences of inaction. So we find ourselves in a, an unprecedented time where, uh, you know, we're, we're shut out from our schools. In many cases, we're shut out from our schools, most certainly. And we have to make decisions. Uh, and those decisions are uh, often, uh, you know, competing interests. On the one hand, we want to uh, engage in responsible use of screens and technology. On the other hand, we need to provide education for our kids. So the consequences of action is we're increasing the amount of screen time. The consequences of inaction is that there's no structure and our kids are losing out educationally. Uh, and so as a result of that, we need to make decisions. Uh, so what we have uh, for the vast majority uh, of communities, they have made the decision to utilize um, screens in a way that uh, allows for increased, um, allows for academic engagement and uh, certainly is increasing amount of time uh, because it's been decided that the consequences of not doing this uh, outweigh the consequences of doing this. And I think it's important to recognize that there's a, there's a misconception around screen time in general. You know, it's something that is often thrown into uh, as one concept, screen time, limit screen time, limit, you know, uh, screen engagement, um, the, the consequences of screen time. And the truth is, screen time is not a singular thing. Um, I've divided uh, my understanding of screen time into four different categories. I call it the four C's, and that is consumption, complementary, communication, and creative. Uh, and each one is a different type of screen time. So, for example, consumption um, is, I would say the best example of it is, is binging Netflix, um, you know, watching videos where it's a really passive experience there's not much of a cognitive process going on. Uh, there isn't a give and take or an interaction. You're just consuming media, consuming information. And that is the lowest form of screen time. Numerous studies have actually compared watching television versus playing video games. And uh, it's been found that watching television, uh, again, assuming the video games, that the content is okay, that the content isn't ex excessive violence or, or whatnot, but there's something different about the passive, sedentary nature of consuming media uh, versus the second C, which is complementary, which is somewhat interactive. Uh, when you play a video game, there's problem-solving skills, there's interaction. Um, in fact, some of the studies uh, indicate that, that people who play video games excel in uh, strategic problem-solving, they uh, can multitask better, they can drown out external noise. So there are some benefits that we see uh, cognitively when, when video games are being used compared to consumption. The lowest level, consumption. Next level, complementary. Uh, the third level, uh, third C, is communication. 
which we utilize screens for connecting with family. Today, um, you know, we use WhatsApp and, and FaceTime uh, to connect with family and communicate, whether it's uh, texting or video. So the screen is creating a communication piece, which is a higher level than complementary video games or consumption or of, uh, you know, video watching or television watching. And then the highest level uh, is creative. Creative would be, you know, participating in a shear or classes or distance learning. That's the highest level. And so instead of just utilizing the term screen time as a catch-all for any time you're sitting in front of a screen, uh, we need to understand that you obviously can't compare qualitatively the consumption of, you know, binging Netflix versus the creative of engaging in a positive educational growth-oriented um, aspect of screen time. With that said, I, I go back to the beginning. This is not an ideal situation, but it's also not as black and white as it may appear to be when we talk about screen time. So, you know, Dr. Shapiro, there are two camps. There's one camp that uh, the kids are doing very well by Zoom, um, parents are home, uh, monitoring that they get on, and they're just more focused, easier going, whatever. And then there's a camp that says, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't focus. I can't sit so long. I can't get distracted. Uh, there are five other kids at the table. Maybe there's a large family. Maybe there's a small family in tight quarters. I mean, that's also an issue because maybe there's a parent working out of the house. It means quiet, and the kids are all Zooming. It's very hard to, um, you know, concentrate maybe. Um, I mean, in general, I can name 35 different uh, descriptions of different households, but the area that I want to touch on is anxiety. It is causing anxiety in families, in parents, and in children. What do you see happening, first of all, with the Zooming with the children? What is your, I know you do a lot of surveys, and you work with the yeshiva systems, the day schools. What are you seeing? What do you hear? Well, <clears throat> I, I think you made an excellent point um, where, you know, someone made the statement, I don't remember who it was, that, um, you know, we use this saying, we're all in the same boat, uh, you know, and the, and that's not really accurate. We're, we're all in the same ocean, but everybody's in different boats. Um, and it's important to understand that, you know, different variables are going to contribute to the, <coughs> excuse me, the success or struggle of distance learning. Uh, and the same thing with adults with distance working. And, and those variables, I think you mentioned a lot of them, the size of the family, the age of the children, their general um, technology comfort engagement, the amount of devices available, even the strength of the Wi-Fi in the house can influence and impact the success of distance learning. <clears throat> and as a result, um, how people are functioning within the house. Because if we can't function um, with our obligations and getting things done, that's going to create uh, different levels of anxiety. I always found it interesting to note <clears throat> that anxiety um, is defined uh, by uh, diagnostic criteria that include excessive worry, intrusive thought, 
fatigue, emotional distress, irritability, difficulty sleeping. These are the criteria that we look at for anxiety, but those very same criteria could also describe parenting, excessive worry, intrusive thought, fatigue, emotional distress, irritability, and difficulty sleeping. So uh, we definitely see a a connection uh, between those. But in my understanding of anxiety, you know, uh, my colleague David Rosemarin, uh, I definitely worth having on your show. He's excellent. Uh, he's a, an expert expert on anxiety, and uh, he really he he poses the question: Why is it that we live in the wealthiest, most privileged time in human history? Uh, what we have today cannot even be compared to what people had 50 years ago, 100 years ago, and and certainly beyond. Um, and yet, with all that wealth, with all that privilege. Uh, we have the highest rates of anxiety, and it, it's really an excellent question. And and because of that, <clears throat> we uh, we have to look at what is the cause of anxiety, and the cause of anxiety is generally goes back to the excessive need to control things. We want to be able to control all the variables. We want to be able to um, you know maximize our efficiency. We want to be able to ensure that every decision we make is going to result in positive outcomes. And so having that stress, having that worry, having that need for control increases our overall anxiety. And so we find ourselves in a unique situation during a global pandemic where many of the things that we had control over previously, all of a sudden we don't have control over. We don't have control over where we can you know, Davin, we don't have control over where we can travel to, we don't have control of our kids going to school, and so what we try to do is gain control over it, but all that does is increase the anxiety. And so most people, what they need to do is find a balance um, and really accept the things that they don't have control over. Um, you know, there's the, uh, <clears throat> the saying, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that last part is so critical. We often forget what we really do and don't have control over. And so we find ourselves in a global pandemic. We find ourselves losing control of a lot of things that we're used to controlling. And we find ourselves in tight quarters, um, you know, engaging in a style of education and a style of work that we are not used to and not comfortable with. So that adds to the overall anxiety and, and the struggle with functioning. So let's talk about the adults. You know, they're working from home, me included, have been, you know, many, many, many months working from my house uh, and Zooming and being on calls all day long, all night long, and Zoom groups, et cetera. And there are households that there are chores that need to be done. Now, suddenly, uh, you have households with families that mom's got to serve breakfast, lunch, dinner, shop, and work at home and make sure everyone's doing their Zooms uh, and doing her own job, whatever it may be. So what do you have to say about the adult part of this struggle, what could you share about that, please? So being an adult is hard. Um, I discovered that recently. Uh, You know, being an adult is hard. There's a lot of responsibilities. 
and going back to the idea of, of, uh, of having those responsibilities and, and controlling for them, it increases our stress overall. Um, what I find is, and, and certainly in the early days of COVID, um, and, and no, one, no one is wishing for a global pandemic, and no one is wishing for the uh, challenges that it presents, but even within that, I think there are many opportunities um, for us as adults or uh, as parents to find the positive opportunities within the situation uh, we are experiencing. Yes, uh, it's different. Yes, there's an adjustment. Yes, the obligations are different, but it also presents opportunities. And if we look for those opportunities, there's much to be gained. So, uh, you know, example that I give, one of the stresses in my own home uh, traditionally, uh, you know, is getting and I think many parents share this, is getting your kids up for davening or for school in the morning. It's a stress. They don't want to get out of bed. You have to go back three times. It creates. It starts the day as a tense relationship with your children, just getting them out of bed, getting them dressed, getting them on time for the bus or to school um, or for davening. And we had a, a significant period of time where schools were closed, schools were closed, um, where we could start the day without that stress. We could start the day in a much more positive way. Uh, we could start the day uh, focusing on the relationship, sitting down, having a cup of coffee uh, with your child as they're having their cereal uh, in a way where I, I wasn't rushing to work, my child wasn't rushing to school, and the opportunity for developing those positive experiences uh, you know, really existed. I, I would say over the last number of months, uh, you know, the amount of minyanim that I've davened with my son, aside from what we've davening at home, but going to minyan together, those opportunities, those weekday chakrases that uh, normally, uh, you know, he might be in school and we wouldn't be together for. So we have those opportunities. Um, I can tell you that the, uh, you know, around April time when, when the shuls were closed, davening uh, Kabbalah Shabbos as a family Friday night was a great opportunity. It was really something special that um, I don't know any other time period prior to COVID, and I, uh, you know, I hope that there won't be another period, but there were some, certainly some special experiences that we could have as a result of the pandemic. There were certain, uh, you know, going for a walk together at 2 in the afternoon, you know, as a family, uh, just these other opportunities uh, that come up that if we focus on them and we take advantage of them uh, really present as a positive experience. And, you know, Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says begin with the end in mind. And I think we want to be able to make certain statements uh, ultimately when the, uh, when the vaccine comes out and everybody's comfortable taking it that when we look back on COVID, what statements do we want to make? Do we want to make statements that, you know, uh, it was a highly stressful experience and it created tension within the family? Or do we want to be able to make statements that it was challenging, uh, but we grew from it as a family? We increased our resilience, our grit, and, and it really served. It, it, was, it wasn't something we asked for, and, it, you know, I wouldn't ask for it again, but did we maximize the opportunities of personal growth and family growth uh, within that situation, and and it's not too late if uh, if people have experienced uh, haven't found that opportunity yet. You know, um, things are still fluctuating, things are still changing, and we can make those decisions now. That 
Um, we accept that there are variables that we can't control. Our school is open today. It might be closed tomorrow, or it's closed today. It might be open tomorrow. The schools are open. They're not open. Um, but we can make the decision to accept the things that we can change and try to find opportunities within, uh, within those situations. I also just want to talk a moment about uh, work is over, it's 5 o'clock for some, school Zoom is over, you know, some families around 5 o'clock, whatever time it is. And then the parent may start being on their phones again, our original conversations on the radio in the past about too much phone time during meals, um, you know, every time your kid looks at you, you're holding the cell, conversations, you're looking at cell while you're talking to your spouse or your children. So what message uh, do you want to give to parents now especially? Yeah, I, uh, it's, a, it's another great point you're making. And this isn't unique to COVID, but perhaps, you know, it's something that we need to be even more mindful of because we are on devices so much more. Uh, it becomes more habitual uh, that it may extend from, you know, the regular work day or the regular school day uh, into the family time. And uh, in my own home, we do something called going dark for dinner, where uh, during dinner time uh, there are no devices. You know, when growing up, when the phone would ring, it was attached to the wall at the time, but when the phone would ring during dinner, you wouldn't pick it up. It was dinner time. Uh, today, because we take the phone to the table, uh, it ends up being a distraction and a, and a disruption. Uh, in, in my house, we do going dark for dinner, and we go around the table, and everyone talks about something about their day. And it's such a positive experience uh, where you really get to hear about your children. You get to share with them uh, without the distraction. And so I think the, the, the only way to, um, to, to really be successful with that is to make a conscious effort to engage in less screen time. To say, okay, during this, during dinner time, or when I'm engaged, when the kids are home and around, I'm going to keep my phone upstairs, keep it separate. Uh, just to take steps um, that really will make the difference in uh, the quality. Because if we don't consciously make those decisions, we just end up defaulting to habit, and the habit is to check your device and to, and it's a compulsion. So I think it's something that, uh, as individuals and as a family, uh, we want to make those decisions to uh, spend less time with devices, particularly in a time like COVID where we uh, have to spend more time during the workday and during the school day. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Shapiro. Thank you always for being available for Mask and Families. Thank you for being on tonight. I'll have you on again soon, I hope. And I hope you all, you and your family stay well. Thank you. And I just want to remind everybody to do a mitzvah, Eloi Nishmas, Mishulam, Ben, Rev. Yisrael Halevi, and again the email address for Mishulam, F as in Frank, O-R, M as in Mishulam, E-S as in Sam, H, U, L as in Larry, E, M as in Mary, or Mishulam at gmail.com, please go on and, um, you know, pick something, a mitzvah in trust for his, his neshama. Uh, thank you. And tonight, 
show is Memory of Simchashmul Ben Moshe. I'd like to wish everybody a very good evening, a beautiful Shabbos, and always remember, hang in, hold on, and hug tight, virtually, for now. Thank you, and have a good night. Join us in the fight against COVID-19. We're all in this together. Have you been exposed to COVID-19 but do not have any symptoms or been diagnosed with COVID-19 but are not in the hospital and have had any COVID-19 symptoms in the last six days? If you have, you might be eligible to enroll in one of two trials and have a 50% chance of receiving antibody-rich plasma. By participating, you can help us learn if antibodies from recovered patients will help your body fight COVID-19. You can help us learn if convalescent plasma helps patients recover faster and can prevent others from getting it. Consult your healthcare provider as there are risks. Please consider joining this trial and help fight COVID-19. For more information and to enroll, call the COVID Plasma Initiative at 888-506-1199. That's 888-506-1199 or online at covidplasmamaterial.org. Free transportation is provided. Again, that's 888-506-1199. Did you ever consider hosting your own radio or television show? We can help you get on the air. Talkline Communications works with broadcasters as well as with TV and radio stations in New York and nationwide that lease time. All at competitive rates. We work with doctors, lawyers, and other professionals, as well as with ethnic broadcasters. For more information about hosting your own radio or TV show, please call 212-769-1925. 212-769-1925. And out of New York, call 1-866-MY-TV-SHOW. That's 1-866-MY-TV-SHOW.